Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2,416 with a release date of Friday, February 16th, 2024. To follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. Hams in South Carolina rally for antenna rights. Australia prepares for its new licensing arrangements. A simplex net provides a safety net in Hawaii. All this and more is Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2,416. Comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline. Amateur Radio's independent, on-the-air news and bulletin service. And now reporting from Valparaiso, Indiana, here's Paul Brown, WD9GCO. We begin this week in South Carolina, where hams are planning to rally on the 21st of February for a bill that would remove private land restrictions for some amateur radio antennas. This is one state of many throughout the U.S. where such restrictions are a paramount concern. Kevin Trotman, N5PRE, has that report. A rally is planned at the State House in Columbia, South Carolina, as a show of support for the Amateur Radio Antenna Protection Act, which eight Republican lawmakers are introducing into session that day. The bill is designed to ensure amateur radio operators rights to install antennas that let them get on the air effectively. According to an email sent to amateurs in the state from E. Gordon Mooneyham, W4EGM, of the ARRL's South Carolina section, a strong presence by radio operators will go a long way toward making several points in favor of the measure's passage. Calling ham radio, quote, an incubator for education, exploration, and experimentation within the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics fields, unquote. Gordon also noted that active hams have provided some 6,000 hours of volunteer community service during the past two years. He said that although most log periodic antennas and satellites used for TV reception over the air are more obtrusive, homeowners associations, or HOAs, have imposed restrictions that bar even the simplest amateur radio antennas, providing an obstacle to short- and long-range emergency communications. The widespread concern about HOAs and amateur radio in many states throughout the U.S. has led to the introduction of the Amateur Radio Parity Act, which would provide antenna protection on the federal level. The U.S. Congress has not yet acted upon the bill, which is opposed by many HOAs. This is Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., a new effort to grant sweeping protection across the country was introduced into the U.S. Senate. The bipartisan measure would mandate that private homeowners associations accept the installation of outdoor ham radio antennas. The Amateur Radio Emergency Preparedness Act of 2024 was presented by Senator Roger Wicker, a Mississippi Republican, and Senator Richard Blumenthal, a Connecticut Democrat. The measure underscores the value of ham radio's life-saving potential during natural disasters and other emergencies, such as hurricanes, that are common in both of the sponsoring lawmakers' home states. A new way of handling and issuing amateur radio licenses is about to take effect in Australia. John Williams, VK4JJW, tells us what's changing and what's not. A new era in amateur radio licences dawns in Australia on the 19th of February as the Australian Communications and Media Authority implements the new class licence arrangements. 
The transition from apparatus licences requires no action for most hams, but holders of recently renewed amateur apparatus licences may be eligible for a prorated refund from surrender of those licences. The changes include the administration of examination services by the ACMA and a new accreditation process for examiners that's intended to increase the availability of assessors to those wishing to sit the exams. That process includes working with volunteer assessors who previously supported from the Australian Maritime College to bring them on board with the new ACMA arrangements. The college's services to the ACMA do not extend past the 18th of February. The overseas amateurs visiting Australia class licence is to be available to those amateurs whose licence is conformant with the HARIC standard under CEPT arrangements. Operators from overseas whose licences are not HARIC compliant may be eligible upon application to operate under an amateur class licence for 365 days if they meet certain qualifications. The arrangements have been designed to minimise the cost of licences for ham radio operators and to reduce the regulatory burden on the ACMA. Repeater and beacon licensing remains unchanged as apparatus licences. This is John Williams, VK4JJW. Satellite partners in Europe will soon be reaching out to hams for suggestions for the next payload in geostationary orbit. We have those details from Jeremy Boot, G4, NJH. The European Space Agency expects to engage in dialogue soon with the amateur radio operators about a proposal for a geostationary satellite payload that would serve as a follow-up to QO100. The ESA, the IARU and various members of the AMSAT community began pursuing the concept last year. At the recent FOSDEM 2024, held on the first weekend of February in Brussels, ESA's Frank Zeppenfeld, PD0AP, announced that ESA's Satellite Communications Group is now actively seeking the ham community's input, especially from those operators familiar with SDRs. The EaseHale 2 Qatar QO100 satellite was launched in November 2018, carrying the first amateur radio transponders to be in geostationary orbit. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Congratulations to Joe's Jacob, VU2JOS, who received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the North Bengal Amateur Radio Society for 50 years of involvement in radio that included broadcast DXing and, later, amateur radio. The award was presented to him on the 13th of February, which was World Radio Day. Licensed since 1985, he has participated in nearly a dozen de-expeditions by the National Institute of Amateur Radio. An accomplished de-expeditioner and veteran contester has become a silent key. We hear about him from Jack Parker, W8ISH. When it came to contesting or participating in de-expeditions, Bob Alfin, K4UEE, could often be found at the center of activity. He'd been involved in de-expeditions that traveled to most of the DXCC top 10 most wanted locations. He was also a CQDX Hall of Famer and a competitor in two World Radio Sport Team Championships. Bob became a silent key on the 10th of February at his home in Georgia of kidney failure and Merkel cell carcinoma. 
According to a posting on DX World, Bob's participation in 10 major de-expeditions over the years helped the team log more than 1.25 million CUSOs, many of them from rare locations. He was also an avid contester, qualifying for the WRTC events in 1996 and 2000. 38 of his de-expeditions during the mid-80s and into the early 2000s were for contestings. He also held a call sign of VU3RQA and was a member of the VU7RG LectuWhip de-expedition organized by the National Institute of Amateur Radio in India. Bob was a member of the First Class Operators Club and the Southeastern DX Club Hall of Fame. At the time of his death, Bob served as president of the KP1-5 project, which advocates for the environmentally sensitive use of amateur radio in Navassa and Dikishio Islands by coordinating efforts with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Bob was 79. This is Jack Parker, W8ISH. One of the founders of the DMR network, known as TGIF, has become a silent key. A notice posted on the network website reports that Mitch Savage, EA7KDO, died on the 6th of February. No other details were given. The TGIF net that was held on Friday, February 9th, was dedicated to him. Mitch wrote on his page on QRZ.com that he got his amateur radio license in 1964, and he was an active ham, gravitating into digital radio starting in 2016. He was most active on DMR, Fusion, D-Star, P25, NXDN, and Wires X. He relocated to Spain from Texas in 2017, and in October of 2018, he became one of the founding fathers of the TGIF network, which grew out of a net that the group originally held on a Brandmeister talk group. A message on the TGIF site said, quote, Mitch leaves behind a remarkable contribution to ham radio and beyond, end quote. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the North Coast Amateur Radio Club's N8NC repeater in Northeast Ohio on Sundays at 8 p.m. local time during the weekly information net. An antenna system has received high marks for its ability to communicate with large numbers of satellites around the clock. Dave Parks, WB8ODF, gives us those details. Tests of a digital phased array antenna system in Fairbanks, Alaska, showed it to be capable of handling more than 300 satellite contacts daily and doing it around the clock, according to the company that developed it. In reporting the results on the 7th of February of its three months of testing, L3 Harris Technology said that the prototype system also demonstrated the ability to handle as many as eight contacts at the same time. L3 Harris senior scientist Brian Hammond later issued a statement saying the company was very pleased with the results. L3 Harris has said that this kind of technology will prove especially useful in helping to achieve simultaneous horizon-to-horizon -horizon communications. It is also able to reduce any RFI it locates. L3 Harris developed the array in response to government and commercial customers' needs to reach constellations in different orbital planes, as well as large constellations in low Earth orbit. 
The research and development was done in agreement with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Satellite and Information Service to develop a means of collecting data from an increasing number of satellites in a cost-effective way. I'm Dave Parks, WB8ODF. Amateurs in Hawaii are rediscovering the power of simplex, especially when they need to rely on making connections in an emergency. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, tells us how they are accomplishing this. It's just for practice, and it's just for fellowship too. But a monthly meetup of hams on the Hawaiian island of Oahu holds greater potential than just the regular check-ins and discussions of local news events. This is the Leeward Simplex radio net, and it grew from a rag chew into a net after the radio operators realised their on-air activity presented a great opportunity to keep the community, county and state connected during a crisis on the island without relying on repeaters. Stacey Holbrook, KH6OWL, one of the net control operators, told Newsline, During a recent impromptu Friday night net, one station made a 26-mile contact to the north shore of the island, an important connection that could prove vital in passing traffic and information in emergencies. The next Leeward Simplex net will be held on Friday the 23rd of February. Stacey and the other net control operators, Todd, KH6TOD, and Alan, WH6GRO, are hoping to see the number of participants grow so everyone is prepared in an emergency. The hams believe in Simplex so much that they participate in a separate net using WinLink to send emails or messages from their computers over the radio digitally without relying on external power or the internet. The next scheduled Simplex WinLink net will be on Sunday, February 18, and the operators will practice sending safe-at-home messages. Stacey told Newsline that these small nets play a big role in making this island more resilient. He said a heavily populated place like Hawaii, with such an isolated location in the middle of the Pacific, must always be prepared. This is Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Sometimes an emergency response plan isn't complete without amateur radio. Recognizing this, a number of first responders in West Virginia are looking to change things. Patrick Clark, K8TAC, has that report. When emergencies happen, the Upshur County Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Management and Upshur County Community Emergency Response Team are at the ready. Now, however, they're looking to become even more responsive by adding amateur radio to their resources. The groups recently announced a new effort to create a club that would include amateur radio operators and others with an interest in ham radio. In an announcement made jointly on social media, they opened the door to anyone living in Upshur and surrounding counties. The group's first meeting will be held on the 21st of February at the Buchanan Public Safety Complex. An amateur radio license is not required to join the new club, which will provide classes, hold public events, and provide training in emergency communications. The club organizers hope to affiliate eventually with the ARRL and Amateur Radio Emergency Services. This is Patrick Clark, K8TAC. In the world of DX, be listening for Bernard, DL2GAC, who is operating as H44MS, in the Solomon Islands until the end of April. He is on HF using single sideband and FT8. QSL via club logs, OQRS. Listen for Barut, S53BV on the air, holiday style, as 5R8BV from Nosy B, IOTA number AF057, Madagascar, from the 17th of February until the 3rd of March. He is operating on 80 and 40 meters using CW and single sideband. QSL via Club Logs OQRS or direct to home call. 
David, OK6DJ, will be on the air from the 20th to the 27th of February from Mauritius Island, IOTA number AF049. He is using the call sign 3B8 slash OK6DJ, QSL via Club Logs, OQRS. Listen for Sylvia, OM4AYL, who is on Pemba Island, IOTA number AF063 in Tanzania, using the call sign 5H4AYL. Sylvia will be on the air from the 18th to the 28th of February on 80 through 10 meters using single sideband, CW and FT8. For QSL, visit QRZ.com. We end this week by sharing an event that evokes nostalgia and good warm sound on the air. If you took part in this year's AM Rally, the annual celebration of the original ham radio voice mode, you were not alone, as we hear from Cell MB. KB3TZD. There was a strong showing among hams who took part in the operating event known as the AM Rally on February 3rd through the 5th. For some operators, it celebrated the special fondness they have for the voice mode that predates single sideband. Other operators were curious to see how their homebrew, tube, military, or modern rigs would perform, and many ended up making their first AM contacts. Organizers said weekend participation was strong on 20, 40, and 75 meters. Clark, N1BCG, one of the organizers, said he heard one AM contact from the UK on 10 meters. Extra excitement was generated by the participation of W1AW, the station at the headquarters of the ARRL in Connecticut. Hams were encouraged to log contacts, but it wasn't required. Friendly rag chew and good memories were, of course, mandatory. This is Selembi, KB3TZD. Don't forget the Amateur Radio Newsline Haiku Challenge. If you're not too busy tuning your antennas or chasing the latest de-expedition, pick up a pencil and share your experience by sending an original haiku to us here at Newsline. Use the entry form on our website, arnewsline.org, and please follow the rules for writing your three-line haiku. Sorry, but we cannot accept any entries that aren't written in traditional haiku form. With thanks to the Australian Communications and Media Authority, Amateur Radio Daily, the ARRL, Clark Burgard, N1BCG, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, DX World, E. Gordon Mooneyham, W4EGM, 425DX News, FOSDEM, the North Bengal Amateur Radio Society, QRZ.com, shortwaveradio.de, spacenews.com, Stacy Holbrook, KH6OWL, the TGIF Network, the Wireless Institute of Australia, Worldwide DX, YouTube, and our listeners. That's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO in Valparaiso, Indiana, saying 73. As always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2024. All rights reserved.